All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Ice Show. Happy Easter. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have my co-host, the intrepid Mr. Chris Sheridan on the line. What a surprise it is to hear you here today, Chris. How are you? Yeah. Of all, of all, <laughs> of all the people the show, that yeah. I could have yeah. on the show today, of all yeah. days. You do the short straw and got me. All right. <laughs> oh, no. You are the longest straw of all, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's, well, I won't say anything about that. We'll, we'll just we'll leave that one alone on Easter. How about that? We'll leave that one alone right. on Easter. So, anyway, happy Easter to you, my friend. Thank you for showing uh, up as you do each week. I'm grateful for you being here. And, uh, happy Easter. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, we are speaking of Easter in. Uh, in this time, in this season, and Easter as a as an event of rebirth, resurrection. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means and how that kind of relates to us right now in this current living condition we find ourselves in. It is uh, a time of quarantine and lockdown, as we all know, um, from this particular virus situation, this COVID-19 thing we're dealing with. So I think this is a really uh, particularly appropriate message for for today, for this week, and for this time. Um, and it you know happens to correspond with the actual with the actual date of this this event as well, which is fantastic. So it's a serendipitous and synchronous event that we can talk about this today on this uh, on this Easter Holy Day. So we'll go a little bit into the story of the traditional uh, you know gospel story of, of Jesus, just to kind of. Uh, go through that at first for those who might not, you know, be aware of it. And then we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the symbolism and some of the things that might mean for us today. And, and also, I want to highly recommend that after this, you listen to Chris's latest uh, video that he put up. Actually, there's a great Manly Hall lecture up. What is the full title of that? And where can they find it? Um, well, on YouTube. Okay. Uh, Manly Hall Society will get you right to the front and the most recent posting uh, is an audio lecture from Easter 1965, so 55 years ago today, and it's called Christ as an Archetypal Symbol of Man's Spiritual Maturity. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's a lengthy one, but I imagine they could also find it if they yeah, just put, if they put Manly Hall Easter message or something, it would probably come up as well, but go straight to Manly Hall Society. And it's going to be the latest posting you have up there, right? On Facebook, on, on YouTube. On YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah. All right. So perfect. Thank you for posting that. I didn't get to lis listen to the whole thing yet. I actually was doing some research to try to hear what Manly Hall had to say about Easter. And you had put it up uh, a little bit late for me to do that. But you know what? It's there now and I can enjoy it after we're done with the show. And I encourage everyone to go and check that out. And also... Uh, you know, do uh, do sign up, uh, uh, subscribe to Chris's channel there, Manly Hall Society, um, for all the new videos that he puts up. And you've got what's cool about your stuff is that, you know, there's a lot of Manly Hall stuff floating around on, on YouTube, obviously, but your your audio quality uh, is second to none. And not only that, you've got some videos that uh, other people don't have and they have beautiful sound quality and you've done a, a great job with those. So thank you for doing that, Chris. Um, Thanks for saying. All right, so let's get into this. We're gonna so to to contextualize where we are, uh, Easter Sunday is uh, seven days after the full moon, um, 
get into what you were telling me about for you. You explained it a little bit better uh, than than I than I think I will. Can you can you can you put us explain where we are in the calendar and what that means and so forth as you had told me earlier? Uh, sure. Well, I can explain when, when we are in the calendar. When, when we are in the calendar, will you please? <laughs> yes. And what that may mean. And when we are is, uh, well, Easter, as I'm sure everybody knows, it's on a different day every year. And you just, wow, sometimes it can be two or three weeks apart yep. <laughs> uh, from one year to the next. But every year it's in the same place. And that is after the equinox, the spring, the vernal equinox, which is usually around March 20th, 21st. Uh, that can vary a little bit, uh, but it'll definitely be in the March 20th area. Uh, so after the equinox, that's first day of spring, the days and nights are equal because the sun has crossed, crossed over, passed over, as we'll get into, the, uh, the zodiac line and the sun is moving further northward, so the days are longer than the nights. So after that event, the first full moon that occurs, and then after that first full moon, it's the next or the very first the very Sunday. First Sunday. Yeah. So first Sunday after the first full moon after That's the right. spring vernal Thank equinox. You. Thank you. Okay, so that that being laid out nicely, let me read a little bit from this fantastic little pamphlet I have called The Mystical Interpretation of Easter by Max Heindel. Heindel was uh, one of the students. Actually, this is kind of an interesting connection. You, you know, of course, you visited out there to that Oceanside Rosicrucian Fellowship, right? So yes. Max Heindel was a student of Rudolf Steiner's um, in his anthroposophy and, 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 and his, his ideas. And his widow after he passed away, was friends with Manly Hall, right? Yes. Well, his uh, Manly Hall's mother had gone to the uh, fellowship. And that really, to make a distinction, just as an aside, it has nothing to do with the Rosicrucian proper. Um, it's really by name only. Uh, has nothing to do with That's a completely different... Um, group of people and things, but it's very much Heindel, Max Heindel. In, in contradiction um, to like historical Rosicrucianism, you mean, yeah. in terms of like out of Germany and all that? Yeah. yeah exactly. It's a modern iteration of what, of, of, of Rosicrucianism that there, and there's several branches of this in the U S and Heindel's version was, was one. Is that kind of how you're putting it? It kind of almost wasn't even a version of it. Um, like I said, really kind of in name only was, you know, like I said, closer to Steiner. Um, just kind of picked mm -hmm. up the name. I don't think it had been really firmly established. And in in there was so much in the turn of the century in mm -hmm. California and up to the 20s and 30s uh, happening. Um, but yeah, he was down in Oceanside. Uh, it was partway between LA and San Diego. And it's a beautiful uh, mountaintop uh, place. People could live there. It was a healing center. And actually Manly Hall's mother had wound oh. up there uh, because she was a healer. I think she was one of the staff healers. And when he um, finally moved to California from New York as a teenager, I think it was 18, uh, he tracked down his mom and that's where he found her or, you know, was able to hang out with her. And yes, while he was there, he befriended Max Heindel's widow. Heindel had passed just not long before, uh, but really early in the, you know, establishment of that movement here. So it, uh, but what Hall learned from the fellowship there at Heindel's place was, 
printing, printing and publishing. Uh, that also with the theosophy movement, uh, the Theosophical Society, they uh, big on printing pamphlets. They all knew how to do it. So a lot of these early movements, early 20th century, uh, they all came with printing presses uh, because that's how they could get their you know, self-publishing and get their, their word out. So that's one thing that he learned from there that he took and when he established the PRS in Los Angeles and for the next 70 years, that's what, uh, that's kind of where he got to start with learning that part of the craft. Oh, great. Okay. Thank you. So I just, I wanted to share that. I knew there was a, a connection somewhere there. So thank you for elaborating on that. And a tangent there as well. No, so, no, no. I, I, I appreciate the tangent because uh, I think I, it'll fit. It'll it'll listen, it all we'll, in the we'll end, together. it all works together, man. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. It yes. all, all the threads come together. So right. I'm going to read a little bit of this now. Uh, Heindel himself and and um, and Steiner and you know the Theosophists and so forth did not uh, disbelieve in uh, a historical Jesus. What they did was was take this, you know, the events of his life and uh, some of these events uh, that occurred and they looked at them mythologically, astrologically, symbolically and so on and and recognized, you know, some of the comparative similarities between other religions and so on. They weren't the first people to do this, obviously, but uh, they were, you know, in, in our modern world, there's some of the more famous type of comparative studies that, that we have now. Uh, but but what what I'm saying is that it's not that they didn't, did not believe that Jesus was divine. They did not not believe that um, these events occurred. What they do is they extrapolate extrapolate out other significance. And you know, Heindel's kind of looking at a sort of cosmological way of, of of interpreting this that has to do with astrology and the way the sun's moving and some of the energy with the Earth and so on. I just kind of wanted to share it because it you know it takes. It so essentially, after Jesus dies, then then in this in this um, in this system, he he becomes this cosmic consciousness or this Christ consciousness uh, that was embodied in the you know in the in the person of Jesus while he was alive and while he was teaching. But then af after it leaves, after he's crucified, it it still comes back cosmologically speaking each year. Uh, in this sort of cycle of energetic um, growth, you know, life, death, and rebirth that occurs on the planet itself in the cycles of the season. So just to set that up. So what he says is when he was crucified on Golgotha, and that's the, also known as the skull, Golgotha is where he was, where Jesus was crucified. His great sacrifice for humanity had only just begun. Each year since that time, on the 24th of, uh, 21st of September, when the sun passes from the zodiacal sign Virgo into the sign Libra, the Christ spirit returning to our earth touches its atmosphere. He starts on this downward journey about the 21st of June at the summer solstice when the sun enters Cancer. He reaches the center of our earth at midnight, December the 24th. There he remains for three days and then he starts to withdraw. This withdrawal is completed at Easter. From Easter until the summer solstice, he is passing through the higher worlds and reaches the world of divine spirit, the throne of the Father, on, on June 21st. During July and August, while the sun is in Cancer and Leo, he's rebuilding his life spirit vehicle, which he is again to bring to the world and with it rejuvenate the earth and the life kingdoms evolving in and on it. From Christmas until Easter, he gives of himself without stint or measure, endowing with life, 
not only the sleeping seeds, but everything about on and within the earth. On and within the earth. So again, it's not, he's not getting into this idea just to explain away the significance of Jesus or to try to, you know, sort of, you know, give some mythological explanation to, to this, to this story. He's, he's kind of expanding the story and explaining, you know, how it also fits into these cycles of life. And I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. So, all right. So that being said, that kind of contextualizes where we are in the season and what's going on maybe esoterically. Let's look at the actual story itself. I'm going to go over it kind of, kind of piecemeal because obviously most people know these stories, but sometimes we forget. Uh, they're, they're obviously at the end of the Gospels, at the end of the four Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, otherwise known as the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, not in uh, most of the Gnostic Gospels. These, there's different versions of these stories, but um, these are preserved probably most fully in the, in the actual traditional Gospels in the, in the New Testament, the canonized New Testament. So they're at the end of the book because this is the end of Jesus' mission. His, his death and his resurrection. So, you know, we all have seen, if we've seen movies and shows and so forth or heard the story, you know, basically uh, this is the end of his, his mission. He's in Jerusalem. He's handed over to Pilate, uh, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. Uh, and then there's a section where he, the soldiers mock Jesus and he's put on the cross and crucified between the, the, two, uh, the two bandits. Um, and then at that point, he, he, he dies on the, on the cross after being, uh, mocked and, and so forth. People telling him that, you know, he, he was not the true King of Israel, et cetera, et cetera. King of the Jews, excuse me, not Israel, King of the Jews. Uh, and then he dies. And this section is, you know, and like I said, this is in, in different sort of fashions and different sections in all four gospels at the end of it you know to with greater and lesser detail and some characters moved moved around and so forth but the basic story is is mostly the same um so easter itself is the actual resurrection the actual resurrection so that comes in um that comes at uh in in matthew where i'm looking at matthew 28 Matthew 28. I'll just read this then. The next day, that is after the day of preparation. This is the day of preparation for Passover. The chief, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, "Sir, remember that the imposter said while he was what the imposter said while he was still alive. After three days, I'll arise again. Therefore, command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead." Okay, so this is occurring. So then after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, so this is now Sunday, the day of the sun, which is interesting, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come see the, the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead, and indeed as he, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. 
This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee while they will see me. And then there's a series of different events that occur where he interacts with the disciples in different ways and charges them then to go out into the world and spread the gospel, basically. It's kind of the overview of, of the story. I've, I've, I've made it a bit brief, but I wanted to kind of contextualize with it. Basically, Easter is is when he comes out of the tomb and is resurrected. That is the, that is the Easter Sunday event that we celebrate as the rebirth and the resurrection. All right. So what does that mean for us today? You know, this is what we're getting into. Uh, you know, some of us may or may not be Christians or may be, you know, outside of the church, may find ourselves in different uh, understandings of this and so on. Uh, that's what we wanted to talk a little bit about today is how some of these things can still apply the idea of rebirth and resurrection, um, how we can understand these things, even if we're not particularly uh, a Christian or, you know, don't necessarily believe in these ideas, but what can we learn from them? Um, you know, as a comparative study, for example, if we're of another faith or of no faith, you know, just to kind of understand where we are. And even just to understand a little bit about our history in the West. I mean, these, these ideas are, are very powerful and they're infused in, uh, you know, many of the philosophies that we live by today, even if we don't understand that or even if we don't acknowledge that. Would you agree with that? Well, it's the collective. Yes, it's the collective mythology of, of the West. Yeah. Even if we don't share the same religion, per se, we do have, you know, some of the creation myths um, and it does come from biblical sources. Um, and it's, you know, and you don't have to, again, with, with that, you don't have to agree with it or be on board or anything um, to not be affected by it. Yeah. Because um, it, it does go into the philosophy and, you know, culture and, you know, civilization, what society means. You know, even if they're just working in the background, these would have been shared by everybody or most everybody. There was a, now there's so much you can look here and look there. Mm. Uh, all at the same time from the same place. Yeah. Generally, you know, because usually religions and movements were, you know, based in, you know, place and a time. Uh, sometimes they would survive neither one. If, you know, the place burned down, then, you know, the religion goes with it. Yeah. After a certain amount of time, some of them do die out. But this one has endured because, you know, it's been, you know, perpetuated and held important. Uh, but it has been an influence and it's in, on this comparative note, um, Easter in itself, just even even in the way we would, I guess, maybe not ordinarily today because we're on lockdown. Uh, we're not out at the park uh, having picnics like usual and Easter egg hunts in the grass. Um, but the idea that there, it's a religious holiday, you know, it's celebrated by Christians all over the world. Um, and it's also you know, a secular holiday that it's, you know, it's the Easter bunny and there's eggs and there's, you know, candy and, mm -hmm. and the basket and, and all this stuff, which is essentially a fertility festival. Yeah. Eggs, bunnies who breed prodigiously um, because that's the time of year going back to the astronomical <laughs> element uh, where it is in the calendar. This is when you plant, this is when you, you know, life starts again. Uh, flowers are blooming, uh, trees are budding. Um, you have to get uh, your rose hoed and planted 
so that at the other equinox, the one in the fall, that's when you have the harvest. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, it kind of connects in with what Heindel was, was suggesting, you know, that this really has a lot to do with our planting cycles, animals that are uh, perennial, say like deer that you know, each year, you know, oh, there's a yearling mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the following year. Yeah. And they're kind of born around the same time, not while they're hibernating or hunkered down, they want the young ones born in the spring. So by the fall, you know, when it gets cold again, they're strong enough to endure yeah. uh, their first winter. Uh, so it's, and, you know, older cultures were, you know, more connected with really the true nature and uh, cycles of life and all of the wisdom contained therein. Mm -hmm. So That's... it's already kind of a dual nature. And then, you know, don't forget with Passover and, um, it's a huge, and that's really kind of what started it as far as, you know, in the West, you know, that it's a Jewish holiday. Yeah, so exactly. A lot has converged on this one, you know, week and weekend, uh, and it can mean a lot of different things. But I think what, you know, we're getting at is this resurrection, this rebirth, what, what is being renewed, uh, both in the world, uh, in ourselves, in each other, and in the spirit. Yeah, exactly. And I, th I think that's one of the, the real values of, of studying some of these ideas from, you know, Christian point of view is, is that you can also see, you know, the universal ar archetypal symbolic things that are, are in the religion as well, if you kind of step outside of it, but then it, you know, it kind of brings people together. And this is one of the things that I'm always confused about when, you know, more, more, conservative Christians get upset when they see these similarities in other religions and they just try to dismiss them or say that, you know, the devil caused that to try to test people's faith or something. And it's like, you'd think that that would actually strengthen your faith when you see that it's lined up with all of these other ancient traditions and all of these, these natural cyclical happenings and these astronomical events and that it actually can, you know, sort of confirms that you're, you're moving in a right archetypal and sort of universal direction. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think sometimes people feel threatened by the gold. My understanding of this is the only right way. So if, if, if you know, if there's a neo-pagan understanding of this or, a, you know, or an ancient Mesopotamian idea or Sumerian or Babylonian parallel to this, that, you know, that was some sort of precursor that was trying to fool people or something. And it's like, no, this is, these are just it, different iterations of archetypal energies and, you know, divine understandings that are coming around cyclically for, for different societies at different times, but they're teaching the same types of lessons. And these lessons are still here today. You know, we've disconnected ourselves from these these different cycles to some degree. And we don't know as much about these ancient stories and mythologies that we, you know, that we used to, but they're still alive and valid. Walk outside and see what's happening during spring. And you'll see why this is perfectly, um, you know, understandable um, in, in the scope of, 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 of this particular, you know, time of uh, time of year with this resurrection and so on. It makes, it makes sense. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the, va the value of, of, you know, doing some comparative studies, right? Um, it is. And, and what we have, you know, again, is the dying God motif or myth. Uh, and they all, and all dying gods need to be reborn. Otherwise, why bother dying in the first place? You know, that's part of the, you know, the esoteric lesson, the Phoenix going way, way mm -hmm. back. 
uh, every 500 years, this magnificent bird, you know, consumes itself in its own flame and rises up again. It's, you know, it's the, it's the rising, it's the re-rise. And that's what resurrection means uh, to rise again, again, rise. Uh, and you have to fall. <laughs> you have to have this uh, death before you're reborn. And, you know, in all of us, that's, you know, the, the rebirth of the soul, mm -hmm. you know, this journey that it takes, you know, the long, cold winter and like, okay, let's, you know, let's really have a chance to start. It's really kind of the new year. Actually, that's when New Year's used to be celebrated in a lot of cultures at different mm -hmm. times, you know, it was around the equinox because that's, that's really new. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, if you want to look at it, at it that way, I mean, it's, you know, uh, but it carries through and, you know, there's one danger, I think, or maybe not a danger, perhaps a caution with comparative philosophy, comparative religion, mm -hmm. especially comparative religion, is that uh, there can be a tendency to think, well, it's just all the same. Oh, it's yeah. another dying God. Oh, well, it's another uh, fertility festival yeah, in the spring. Yeah. Who wouldn't have that? Yeah. You know, um, the danger there is that you dilute uh, the real specific things about any particular culture sure. or version of the story that, that are important, that are relevant mm -hmm. to you know, this culture and this time, or could be, or to yourself personally. Uh, so it's not this kind of homogenized, no, it's all the same. On an archetypal level, yes, very much similar in essence, but in the way that they're played out, you know, we're a modern culture and for some reason the, the Christian tradition has survived yeah, uh, whereas maybe some more nomadic, well, in Judaism, Judaism as well, ones. which is even older, which is you know amazing, right? Well, um, they had the written word yeah. with uh, you know the Torah and everything. I mean that you know, literally it was, and I mean that in every sense of yeah. the word. Um, you know, it was able to be pre preserved, and also the traditions. You know, with the families and the diaspora, you know, they were able to maintain and. Um, really keep that tradition it's an incredible journey of, yeah. of a religion you know that it's yeah. that it, but it, it's still relevant today in some way um that it it can be a guiding light for what we do with ourselves and our lives and how we treat each other and how we uh, function a, a workable society um, yeah you know, that's a great way to put even it though we're really in a even though we're not a nomadic bronze age sandal wearing well, sure, but that's Culture the beauty of, anymore. But we're human beings, you know? and that's the beauty of the ancient the ancient wisdom is that uh, it's it's wisdom that is you know larger than any sort of time or place. Um, it's you know it's it's its scope is greater than you know its particular um, trappings of whatever whatever was happening at that you know that particular time in history or whatever. And, it's more it's more universal and, and larger and sort of there's timelessness and eternal truths that 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 have been revealed through these different ancient wisdoms and again you know to go back to this sort of comparative and mythological looking you know and symbolic looks at these things it does not mean that and this is one of the beautiful things and the mysteries of all of this it does not mean that these things did not happen you know, I'm not saying what did or did not happen. I'm not going to, you know, condescend to try to say what is or is not possible in the in the world at any at any given time. You know, the mythology, the word mythology, and the use of these, you know, symbolic understandings is to 
really kind of contextualize things so that you can look at them in a, in, like we said, in a universal or eternal sort of way and find the lessons in them that, that are, are, you know, still valid today. But, but the point is, is that these sort of miraculous events, you know, um, are still played out in our world all the time. You know, things that shouldn't quote unquote happen, happen on a regular basis for people and they report them all the time. So to limit what, you know, was possible or to say that, oh, these are simple-minded people that came up with these, you know, these mythological interpretations and they really, all they were doing was telling stories about, you know, astronomical events. And, you know, those are, that's, those are shortcuts to thinking, you know, to say, oh, they were just trying to explain, uh, you know, scientific things that happen or, or natural occurrences or, you know, um, things like this that they had no way of using so they or they had no vocabulary to explain these things scientifically so they were impoverished and they're you know using their storytelling to try to explain you know how things came into being and why lightning strikes and all these different things or whatever you know that's the sort of modern version of you know what mythology is, is ideological tales of by primitive peoples to explain their world and how and where it came from. And, you know, I think that does a great disservice to, to the wisdom of the ancients, you know, so we do have to open up our minds and kind of say, you know, look, yes, some of, some of these ideas may strike us as superstitious. Some of these ideas may strike us as non-scientific, et cetera, but, but what are they really getting at? What do they really mean within? And these are the mysteries, you know, the things that go beyond, um, you know, the, the sort of scientific and rational explanation of things. And that's where this resurrection really comes into play because, you know, it's one of these things where a rebirth or a resurrection or a complete change in consciousness or a complete transformation that occurs within um, is a pretty miraculous and unexplainable and mysterious kind of event. You know, even when it's in a small, a small way. Um, you know, just think if you just think about how you've changed over time, you know, and learned different things and had these little rebirths and growth spurts and, you know, births and resurrection, you know, deaths and resurrections in your own life. Just, I mean, think about your own life cycle. You're a completely different physical being than you than you were seven years ago or seven years before that, you know, however old you are, you think about, you used to be a tiny little baby. And then, you know, before that you were, you were, you know, you were, you were a cells, a set cluster of cells that turned, you know what I mean? And it's like, there's a whole life cycle thing at work within a, even just our own individual life that mirrors a lot of this sim symbolic and mythological uh, stuff as well. And that's what's, what's so great about it. And what's so exciting about trying to apply these things. So, Anyway, but to get beyond that, let's talk about, um, not beyond it, but to a different subject, let's talk a little bit about what that can mean for us today, this idea of rebirth or resurrection, this new growth and so on, especially in light of the fact that, you know, many people are talking about how, you know, when we come out of, of our isolation and stuff, there's going to be a, some sort of a reset or a a reboot or what have you. And, you know, we're going to start trying to do things in a different way and what that might mean and so on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause you, you, you had brought that up when we were speaking before the show, you want to speak to that a little bit? Well, sure. It's you know, something that um, a lot of people are thinking about now, we're a little more accustomed to the current 
you know, status of staying at home and wearing a mask and, and things like that. Uh, we also know it's temporary and we're going to come back out and we don't want to come out and get sick. Um, but we, I think most of us, I, I mean, I, I can't speak for most of us, um, but there seems to be a very strong appeal to want to maybe go about things differently now, mm-hmm. not just having to do with the virus, but really reset, reboot, re you know, begin again in a new way. Yeah, like a, an actual... not, how do we get back to the way things were? A lot of the things we did the way before, maybe, maybe we were trying to do the right thing, but you know, maybe there's another way to go about it. The ideal may mm-hmm. be, you know, fine and pure, um, but the methodology, you know, the, the processes by which we function in the world and treat each other and do things and do business. And, you know, what does that mean to be a manufacturer? You know, is it a giant factory somewhere far away? Uh, or is it a bunch of little teeny factories in every neighborhood? Um, there is just a lot we can, you know, use this opportunity for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to tear down everything like the, you know, external structures, but it's really a lot of it's the internal structure that, you know, what we, what, how we look at the world and ourselves and what's really important. What do we value? Yes, we can do this, um, but maybe there's another way to do that. Or maybe we don't have to do that or do that as much and maybe do this thing over here a little bit more, uh, even if it's in a subtle way with, really the world being involved with this right now this you know and and all the myths of uh say native america um and that have these emergence um myths mm-hmm. uh, that you know civilization you know the world was wiped out and then they reemerged uh, coming up from the ground you know first as ants and then then as as human beings um you know and we can learn from that you know, it's really rich. And this, you know, resurrection. But that's a, that's sort of, a resurrection as well, isn't it? Yeah. And it's to rise again. And, and there's really something interesting about the word is to rise again. What does that imply? It implies that you were, you had all, you were already risen up before. It's to rise again, mm-hmm. not, oh, I'm going to stand up straight for the first time ever. Um, be a good guy. Um you know, that's great, but it also implies that this existed before that, you know, certainly in the Jesus uh, story that, that, you know, we've been talking about, uh, yes, he was already the son of God and he, you know, was crucified and resurrected and came back and before ascension showed himself and, uh, and, oh, he literally, I guess, rose up in the, the ascension part, you know, actually, actually rising, um, to heaven. Yeah. but it's, it's, you know, it implies that, that we, that that is already in us. The seed of the heights to which we can rise now um, already exist within us. And if we cultivate those that we, you know, that hold true and honorable and we venerate respect uh, and our love, you know, that those can grow re-rising mm-hmm. uh, to rise, rise back up. You know, even yeah. the uh, Cinderella myth, if you go all the way back, uh, the fairy tale, the story, she was already of noble heritage. So this whole returning back to the palace with the golden slipper and the prince and all that, that was a return. 
It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because you think, oh, Cinderella story, rags to riches. Well, the original Cinderella story was not a rags to riches story. It was, it was a, a noble riches to rags. It was a loss of everything. You know, loss of her status, loss of her life, loss of her position in the family, uh, mm-hmm. living in the basement, you know, going under, you know, living inside, you know, and then yeah, kind of going yeah. back to the palace. So that may even be, you know, something that could be, familiar uh most you know westerners are familiar with the cinderella myth even if it's only through disney but that's a chance to you know maybe look at ourselves maybe we were all that to begin with or had that in us and let's rise again to what's what's best in ourselves and each other absolutely and i think one of the things that's you know that this in this particular telling of, of this um you know in the gospels is the fact that you know, before this, this, this death and resurrection, there's a certain amount of, of suffering that occurs. And, you know, it's, it's important to remember that oftentimes great changes are, you know, preceded by periods of, of challenge and suffering. And so I think a lot of times, you know, uh, uh, here in the U S you know, we want to, we want our changes, but we want to go through them without having to, to have any uh, pain, discomfort or suffering. And, you know, unfortunately, that's usually not the case, you know, and there is some sort of, a, I think, a big lesson in this to understand that oftentimes when, you know, when we do make these great changes, and we are resurrected, and we are sort of rebirthed, and we come into these periods of rebirth and change, that there is a bit of, uh, a bit of suffering and a bit of agony beforehand, but it's for the, you know, it's for the greater good and it's for the greater change. It's for the real transformation. And sometimes, you know, we put off those, those sufferings or those pains or those discomforts um, in order to, you know, we try to stave them off. And the thing is, I think when we do that and we, do, we, we, we make things worse. You know? So I think that sometimes we're, we're trying to sort of eliminate or, or avoid the discomfort of, of death and resurrection, um, you know, figuratively speaking. And, you know, we do ourselves a disservice often, often I think, you know, just the the best course of action is, is, you know, recognizing that there's, there's challenges, recognizing that there's big problems going on, but, you know, politically, socially, spiritually, economically in our families. And so on. there's, there's great problems. And it's not to say that the whole thing needs to be scrapped and, you know, we've got to have some kind of revolution to fix things. It just, it means that we've got to recognize that there are are challenges that we're facing uh, that maybe we don't want to really recognize. That's that shadow side of things. And then in order to really go through and make these great changes and have that rebirth and that resurrection, we're going to have to suffer a bit. And, you know, I don't mean that we have to suffer in the sense that, like, we've got to, you know, be groaning and, and, and be bewailing and be moaning fate and, you know, really, you know, throw, you know, wearing like sackcloth and ashes or something. I'm talking about, like, you know, just being honest with ourselves where we are, maybe, maybe buckling down and being a little more serious and, and, you know, maybe kind of. For example, if we're trying to change over to a more just and more sustainable and more kind of like um, spiritual type of a society, we may need to kind of adjust the way that we do things. And it may be a bit painful to make those changes. 
but it's okay. It's for the, you know, it's for a better, you know, you're not losing anything. You're gaining something. And I think that's what this thing is where there's this, you know, when Jesus is going through the, you know, he's being mocked and he's going through the streets. You've seen him carrying his cross in the films and so on. And, you know, this is kind of representative of that, of that change. And oftentimes, you know, even the other side of it is like, you know, people didn't understand what he was trying to do. They didn't understand his message. And, you know, in the middle of these great changes, especially now, a lot of us are going to be standing up and trying to say, look, we've got to do things in a different way. We need a rebirth. We need a resurrection. And people are going to look at us like we're out of our minds. You know what I'm saying? And so you've got to be strong enough to withstand some of that as well. You know, and it's it's cool to, you know, think it's all going to be light and sunshine and unicorns and yoga yoga festivals and consumer events and all that stuff is great. It's fun. We love it. You know, it's fantastic. Crystals are great. All that stuff is, is beautiful. And, but at the same time, serious spiritual individuals have to rise up and do things that are going to be challenging and be leaders in, in a time when people need leaders. They don't need fly-by-night, you know, solutions and, you know, fake happy sayings that, co- that are band-aids for trying to cover up real issues. Would you agree with that? Well, sure. I think the American people, the global citizenry, if you will, um, appreciates being told the truth, you know, the facts. Um, we don't want to hear it. And yes, some of it can be difficult, but you got to level with people. And, you know, kids really show us that. You know, little kids, they may not know exactly what's going on or what you're talking about, but they know when you're being insincere and they know when you're bullshitting them, you know? Yeah. Um, they really have, you know, like I said, may not have the explanation for it, but there's definitely a sense that, wait a minute, you're not leveling with me. Um, so I think that, although it can be a bitter pill, at least at first, um, I think if it's set in a little bit stronger in, in each person, then you can go about the task of doing something about it because then yeah. it's like, it's already done. Okay. Whoops. Okay. The lamp fell over and it broke a hundred pieces on the floor. Okay. You can be it. You can investigate, you can punish, you can do all this stuff, but really what you have on your hand here is a broken lamp and you can decide whether to fix it, replace it or, or what you need to do because what has to happen before a resurrection is a death. Yeah. And what dies in us, if we're not going to physically die, you know, what is it that is nailed to the cross that, that won't make it through the straight and narrow gate? What is it in us, you know, that we have to let go of to surrender, uh, a, you know, release of attachments sort of in a, a Buddhistic kind of way. And we've already been through a couple really major rebirths in our physical human being lives already. We've been through you know, the transition from being really basically a water creature, uh, symbiotic, uh, living inside another person, uh, to an air breathing, you know, mostly autonomous moving, you know, biped in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at puberty, the child um, has to die. Um, and the adult is born, whether or not we're mentally matured at that time, the physical organism has to go through these changes and you can't stop it. 
and you can't mm-hmm. make the other one happen sooner or later. It, it's something that happens without our choice. If you live that long and make it through to your puberty, you're going to uh, have this you know, physiological change. Uh, so in essence, we've had a, an experience with that. Maybe we can rely on, okay, what creature am I going to be now? Okay, now that I already have hair in my body, uh, what am I going to be now? And what has to mature is, you know, it's on the soul level, not so much on the physical level, although we will do things differently and maybe look at our bodies and, and ourselves uh, in another way and the world, you know, how we sustain our bodies with nourishment and things we pull from the earth. Um, but it's really on the soul, our inner life that has to be reborn. We can't go back to the same way, the same way of thinking, the same resentments. And I like how you mentioned that, you know, let's face it, it's, it is hard. And yeah, and I, you know, and that's okay. You know, we can, we can make it through this. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the suffering portion, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we need to, uh, we need to, you know, ex, you know, try to be martyrs or, you know, like something like this, or we've got to, you know, be exceedingly miserable, but suffering in a sense that you're allowing, you know, su- the word suffer means to allow originally, you know, and it's a, it's a realization that something is unfolding and yes, it has elements of pain. Can you, can you minimize that to some degree by accepting it, by praying, by meditating, by doing good works and, you know, and, 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 and spiritual endeavors? Yes, of course, you know, and that's, that's, that's part of it, but there is inevitable pain to any change. And that's, that's the challenge. And we have to acknowledge that and be, be mindful of it, you know, and not try to hide or forget or think that, oh, we're going to escape that or you know, or, you know, or so forth. And, you know, some of these things too, again, you know, when we speak of death and resurrection and things like that, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about at least, you know, on the, the level of change, we're talking about a transformation that occurs within, you know, and death, death, death then is, is a death of the, the old ways. And, you know, we operate by knowns and unknowns and unknowns make us very uncomfortable. And whenever there's change, that's an unknown. So we've got to we've got to get comfortable knowing that we don't know everything and that there is going to be some some inevitable sort of discomfort that occurs with that. But thing that, that comes out of it is the is the resurrection, is the rebirth. And it's you know, it's a glorious thing when you can make changes that actually are lasting, transformative, positive, you know, changes. And that's what this whole idea of this triumphant resurrection uh, is about, I mean, symbolically speaking, you know, Jesus has overcome death. He's been, been, you know, he's suffered, died and been, been, been reborn and then, and then ascends. And, you know, if you look at that, that's a, that's a powerful message. It's a powerful message. And we can do that symbolically in our own lives and we can make it, we know that we can make it through the challenges and the difficulties, the discomforts, uh, the sufferings, you know, we can die to the old ways of doing things and we can be reborn into a completely new way of, of, of living. And, you know, and again, that's, it's, it's a process though. It's a cyclical process. And that's why it's so important, you know, to look at this. And this is why I think this, this celebration of Easter is so important. It's not, it doesn't just happen one time. It happens every single year. And that's what Heindel was talking about. This is an energetic cyclical event 
that occurs every single year. And this is, you know, that it means that that's uh, something that's occurring within us all the time. There's something, you know, being born, living and dying and being reborn all the time in different parts of our lives. Um, you know, metaphorically speaking, and actually physically speaking. I mean, this is what's going on on a cellular level as well. You know, every seven years, we've got a completely new body, basically. Um, you know, so these are, these are things that, that you know, are, are physiological. They're, they're symbolic. They're, they're spiritual. You know, and that's why it's so important to look at these things each year and why Easter, I think, is such an important holiday to take a look at, even if it's not specifically your holiday. You can take the messages and gain some strength from, from, from what happened. You know, and, and I think that's the real lesson here today. Do you have anything uh, else to add to that? Because I think we're about near the, the end of this today. Yeah, well, just to maybe underscore the you know, point that this holiday and the resurrection mystery uh, is a telling of that we have both a finite life and an infinite existence. And both things can be true. Uh, there is a life beyond this. A lot of religions believe in after, and what's kind of interesting that Christianity doesn't necessarily believe in reincarnation the way maybe a Hindu or a Buddhist might, uh, that this, you know, repeating life after life after life, many lives. Mm -hmm. um, some do, some may not, uh, but there is sort of a different version of this. But I like, you know, the way I said, this is an annual resurrection. Doesn't By have the way, though, let me, let me break in really quick with that. They, in the New Testament itself, there's evidence that early Christians did actually believe in that because they were saying, well, who are you? Are you the rebirth of Elijah? Are you are you this prophet? Are you that prophet? Are you a new, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So there was some talk about that even. And there's some evidence that some of the Gnostic groups did, in fact, believe in, a, a, you know, a type of a, uh, um, a reincarnation. Sorry to interrupt you, though. No, that, that's fine. On. That's that's great to point out. It didn't really take hold, though, in the, the official. No, it did not. It definitely canonization did not. and absolutely and, yeah. and everything. But interesting to know that it was it was there, and maybe this is what remains. But to have this annual, you know, celebration, this spring cleaning of our of our souls, of our lives, you know, we yeah can reemerge from this at home lockdown, uh, really as a different person. The inside, on the inside, you know, mm -hmm. we can step out saying, you know, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to be this way anymore. I don't have to say these types of things or think mm -hmm. these types of thoughts. Yeah. You know, I can be bigger than maybe I thought I was. Yeah, and you may decide you don't want to be a part of this rat race anymore and you're going to figure out a different way to live. You know, you're like you've you've taken you've had this time to yourself and you realize how valuable your time is and you go. I don't want to live like that anymore. You know, I want well, a the good thing is, rebirth, you know? Right. Well, it, fortunately, this has been forced upon us. And yep. that's, I, I say that's a good thing because otherwise we might not get around to it. Um, so it's been yeah. sort of force majeure. It's been, you know, out of our control uh, that this uh, happened. It wasn't necessarily a conscious choice by, you know, the, the, the public of the world, um, but it was a good choice for the, health and safety of the world. Uh, but now that it's here, it is up to us. It is our choice. And we do have the power to rewrite and rise again in the way that we want to, that fits our lives now. Absolutely. So, you know, take this time at Easter and, 
you know, study a little bit, you know, look at, look at some of these different ideas, think about how they, they may, you know, play out in your own life. And do have faith that some of the, the discomfort, the suffering, the challenges are leading to a personal rebirth, a family rebirth, a rebirth on a national or global level. Uh, if we can embrace some of the things we learn while we're in isolation and, you know, kind of getting back to basics and remembering what's important to us, family and friends and, you know, and clean air and water and our, our basic health and some of these ideas and, you know, kind of getting back to getting back to some of these basic spiritual and, and physical ideas that um, they can help us live a better life. So I uh, wish you the best Easter. Um, wish you health and happiness and a new rebirth. Um, and thank you again, Chris, for joining and um, sure. your, your, for your ideas. Any uh, last parting words of, of advice, you know, in a short uh, little punchy uh, sound, sound bite type thing. <laughs> <laughs> sound bites. well how about a quote from manly hall since we yes. started that i'll Thank you. give the Please. last uh, ending That's sentences it. from this uh, easter lecture he gave in 1965 so 55 years ago to the day and he says if we live every day according to the best that has been lived if we live each day serving as nobly as the wisest and the most loving servants of men have served we shall be moving victoriously and beautifully in the right direction. And we shall know as a personal experience of consciousness, the resurrection of beauty and of truth and love within ourselves. And whenever this occurs on any day of the year, in any year of our lives, day or night, for each of us, that moment is Easter morn. So happy Easter. He didn't Beautiful. say that. I threw that in. You threw that in. But <laughs> that little happy Easter at the end. He probably Amen. started with saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. That's any fantastic. day of the year and any year. Any of day. day there you go. Yeah. There, there's so, your Easter. Okay. That's every, it. Every breath, you know. Absolutely. Exhale Absolutely. the old and rise again. Beautiful. All right, everybody. Everything is going to be okay. You know, trust Trust in the infinite and trust that, you know, there's going to be a beautiful rebirth. Um, work, work for that and, you know, pray and meditate and, you know, study spiritual stuff while you're going through the challenges and suffering and you'll get through to the other side to that beautiful resurrection and rebirth. Stick with it. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Chris is the author of The Spirit in the Sky. Both of those are available on Amazon. Those are our books. And you can check out chrissheridan.com or you can check out cosmiceye.org and you'll see more information about the both of us. And of course, check out Manly Hall Society on YouTube and see that great, uh, uh, listen to that great lecture that's up about, uh, about Easter from Manly Hall that Chris quoted from and spoke about at the beginning of the show. Thank you again for joining us. Happy Easter. Have a great week. Uh, join us for our Emmett Fox show on Friday. Have, uh, like I said, have a great week and be safe and healthy. Goodbye and God bless.